this episode. If you've heard of Yellowstone, it's the oldest national park in the world. In fact, the last wolf was seen in 1926. The ecosystem was getting really degraded. The wolves actually changed the behaviour of the rivers in the park. There's been a lot of examples of where humans have seen species taken out of an ecosystem. There's only a handful of examples of where we've seen a keystone species put back into an ecosystem. Too often, we think we can just sort of work out all of the causes and effects and just sort of say, okay, if we do this, this will happen. So the wolves is a metaphor for leadership and how leadership can, leadership behaviors can, can actually shape the behaviors and the culture of the organization and cause the elk to go scampering up the cliffs or up the, the hills. Is you do something small first, and if it moves the system in the direction you want it to go, you amplify it. I mean, I love otters. I mean, who doesn't love an otter? Welcome to Anecdotally Speaking, a podcast to help you build your business story repertoire. Hi, everybody. I'm Sean Callahan. And hi, everybody. I'm Mark Shank. And just before we get stuck into today's episode, I just thought we'd uh, uh, recap the process. So obviously, the podcast is about building your repertoire of business stories. And so we'll start each week by sharing a story. And then we'll talk about why that story works, how to make it even better. And probably most importantly, is that we then go on and talk about how to use that story in a business setting. And so those are the three main parts of the story. Now, Sean and I alternate. And Sean, it's your story today. And uh, over to you. uh, I'll get into that. In fact, just on that whole process, Mark, the, you know, that's the work that we do, right? We did the work in finding and sharing these stories. The listener, your work is to go and try these stories out, you know, because only when you share the stories and hear some feedback, or at least notice how people respond to these stories, that you start to get a feel for this. It's only through practice that you get any better at them. But so here's another, here's another story to add to your repertoire, okay? So in Yellowstone National Park, I don't know if you've heard of Yellowstone, it's the oldest national park in the world. I think it was uh, established in 1872. Anyway, all the way through the 19th and 20th century, uh, the wolves were hunted by ranchers and essentially for their pelts, but also because of their livestock, um, to a point where they, they were totally eradicated. In fact, the last wolf was seen in 1926, right? Anyway, seven years, 70 years go past uh, where the wolves are absent, you know, from the park. And in that time, the elk just explode in numbers, right? And they graze the bejesus out of the valleys in Yellowstone National Park uh, till, you know, it's right down to the the dirt, essentially. And any new little sprig of a tree or a, a plant that pops up, these elk would just either smash it down with their hooves or eat the bloody thing, right? So there wasn't much left. So the, the ecosystem was getting really degraded. Well, the, the rangers in the park uh, decided that what they needed to do was reintroduce uh, the wolves back into the park. And so they went up to Canada to one of the national parks there and they brought down eight grey wolves uh, and got them established in the park in 1995. It was kind of like a little experiment. Right. And then in 96, they expanded it out to 30 
31 wolves, I think it was. Well, as you'd probably guess, I mean, the wolves are apex predator, predators, right? So, uh, yeah, they, they will kill um, uh, elk, they'll kill bison, but quite frankly, they're, they're um, you know, they're sort of more uh, scavengers, right? So they, they wait till things fall over and, you know, trip and fall before they, they tackle them. So they didn't kill that many elk, right, in the first instance. But what they did do, and this is the thing that changed everything, is that they changed the behaviour of the elk. So the elk, when, as soon as the wolves appeared, they used to hang out. You know, before the wolves, they used to hang out in the valleys. But as soon as the wolves appear, they shot up to the ridges of the park and uh, hid, hid in the, the forest, essentially away from the wolves. It was too dangerous down in those open areas. And as soon as they did that, they were spending most of their time up in the ridges regeneration just started to happen right and it was amazing the trees started to grow they were measuring the you know the size of these trees and in one area they had a five times increase in the height of the trees in just six years you know the willow the aspen the cottonwoods all started to come back um, and and they just line the valleys you know both sides of the valleys all the way through the park um, and of course as soon as the trees were there the birds started to come back in. And, and not only that, the beavers, which had shrunk in population, started to grow again. And, of course, they were then damming the, the, the rivers and creeks up and big ponds would form. And, and in those ponds, you'd get the otters were coming back, the muskrats, the, the ducks. You know, it just became this thriving little uh, ecosystem. And because the wolves also killed, you know, some of the coyotes, uh, the smaller mammals uh, started to return, you know, the rabbits and the mice. And as soon as they came back, the eagles, the hawks, the foxes, the weasels, you know, started to uh, return to, to the national park. It had this massive impact. But the most remarkable thing, I think, is that the wolves actually changed the behaviour of the rivers in the park. And they did that. You're going to have to explain this one for me. Sean. Yeah. Okay. So, <laughs> so this this one is because you now had stabilised valleys. You know, with the vegetation coming all the way down to the river's edge, where they used to meander back and forwards through the silts and, and erosion that was going on, uh, they now were just confined right down to those edges. And and of course, this just increased the, you know, the if you like the um, uh, just that whole benefits to the animals that were and the plants that were sort of up up and down that river. Um, the, the wolves actually stabilised in number um, in the last 20 years or so. So this has happened over the last 25, 26 years. Um, and they're now stabilised at about 80, 80 to uh, 100 wolves, about nine packs, I think, uh, roaming around the, the park. So... There's been a lot of examples of where humans have seen species taken out of an ecosystem and the flow, flow on effects of that, you know, whether it's cod or otter or rainforest, right? We've seen that. But there's only a handful of examples of where we've seen a keystone species put back into an ecosystem and for that to have a ripple effect all the way through the ecosystem. Uh, apparently, they call this um, this change uh, trophic cascade. You know, the scientists like to have a name. 
If you want to look it up, Trophic Cascade, you'll find out all about how this works. So there you go, Mark. A little uh, scientific story for us to uh, munch on. Yeah, and I, abs I absolutely love this story. It's so um, illustrative of the problems that we face when it comes to tackling complex problems like the environment. Yeah, and, absolutely. And we, yeah, we, we our, you know, our scientists and our politicians, we love to, to go, oh, let's solve this problem. When yes. It's just a totally wrong mindset. It's the, yeah. And so one of the things I absolutely love about this story is the unpre completely unpredicted outcomes. Like, I guess they thought, I guess the, the you know, the, 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 the business case for, re for, for uh, reintroducing the wolves would have been uh, they're going to kill lots of elk and uh, that'll keep the elk population. Uh, yeah, under that's control. right. I'm sure and, that's what they were thinking. Yeah. yeah. And uh, of course, to, to have uh, it, the behavior change component leading to enormous uh, uh, environmental recovery. Yes. It's, you, you couldn't have predicted that. And yeah, and there was another thing that they predicted and they got 100, 180 degrees wrong, which was they thought that the herd would get bigger, the elk herd would get bigger because they, the elk, they thought that would might feel more protective. Oh, so the elk. the elk would, would uh, gather together more. That's that right, more gather together. But in fact, what they herd. found is yeah. that they split up, you know, they sort of split up and it was harder for wolves to take take them down because you know they were able to move quickly through the you know through the ridges and and up through the forests so that was another thing that you know so it goes down to this point which you know you're making which is so hard maybe impossible to predict the outcome of many of these things and this is an analogy also for what happens in organizations right too often we think we can just sort of work out all of the cause and effects and just sort of say, okay, if we do this, this will happen. Yeah, let's have a restructure to solve a problem. Oh, that's and right. That'll, that'll like, work. And you just do it time and time and time and time and time again, and nothing ever changes. Yeah. Because oh, lots of things change, maybe. Oh, sorry. Yes. Yes. But not yes, the but... things you were hoping for. <laughs> yeah. Yes. The problem often doesn't go away. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's so true. And so, also, the, uh, the, 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 the thing is that when we're looking for these solutions, of which there are, you know, you can't solve complex problems in any traditional sense, but we kind of go, oh, we need to do all this analysis and and come up with the perfect intervention. When in fact, again, this is just like this is a, a it's not how you make progress. It, yeah. This example that you've shared, well, yeah, we'll introduce eight wolves. Oh, well, let's introduce a few more, and it complete completely changed. Also, think that there's the same parallel going back to 1924, was it, when the last wolf was killed? In, uh, yeah, 26, yeah. 20, oh, 1926, okay. Yeah. Who would have predicted that the loss of those wolves would have led to that enormous extent of environmental degradation? That's it. Because there's, yeah. you know, there's very good business case arguments to be made to get rid of the wolves because the wolves are dangerous and they, you know, they, they, you know, they take our, the, the ranches are going, well, they kill our livestock and therefore blah, blah, blah. It's like, and we have no idea about the impact of the taking out. They probably thought, well, there's not that many wolves, right? Yeah. Like a hundred. I mean, there's only a hundred wolves. We have thousands of elk. Surely they can't yeah. make that much of a difference. Um, 
Yeah, they talk about keystone species. Actually, the one I was thinking of is, of course, humans are a keystone species. We, we have a, an outsized impact on our environment. Um, and I was watching that uh, TV show around Chernobyl. Did you watch that? It was yes. just the most amazing show. And, and, of course, they showed Chernobyl after all humans have left, of course. And how it's all grown back, like there's all this forest and, you know, all the animals have come back and you know, it's because there's no people there uh, sort of uh, screwing it over. But um, tell me, in terms of a story, uh, what are the elements in the story? I mean, you talked about the unpredictability element. I'm just thinking about the story itself. You know, what is it about that story that is compelling or draws us into into that narrative so just one you know i think there's many but just yeah. one that uh when i examine my own response to that story is that my it's my concern uh over the environment yeah and how this is an an, an illustration both of our impact and and of how the the way we're approaching fixing it relies on you know this putting a project plan in place where there's a miracle technology that solves everything. You know, like we're banking, whereas, you know, they've just tried something and it worked. And they, you know, and, and which is great, complex systems, you try something, if it works, you amplify it. If it doesn't work, you just stop doing it. Anyway, I, I think it was that, that, that uh, example has such relevance to such yeah. big problems, you know, global scale problems. I think there's another, I, so I totally agree with what you're saying. I would say for me also, just naming all those animals is quite a, you know, it's a, it's quite an interesting list of, there's some of my favourite animals in there. I mean, I love otters. I mean, who doesn't love an otter, you know, swimming on their back, you know, with the fish on their stomach, trying to, you know, having a good old chomp there. I mean, those sort of images of, you know, of wolves and wolves packs and, uh, I think that's um, there's something quite visceral about that. Uh, so I think that's part of the this type of story as well. It would yeah. have been hard, for example, if it told the story about a type of bacteria that you know that was taken out of the system, and you know, and that grew a whole bunch of fungus grew out of that, and amoeba or whatever. And you know, you would get a different. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? You know, but yeah. when you're talking about these types of animals, yeah. So it's very visual because a wolf, well. We all know what that looks like. Yeah. You know, yeah. An otter and a beaver and an elk. Yeah. You know. I mean, I, I, I don't know exactly what an elk looks like, but I, I know vaguely what an elk looks like. And, yeah, uh, exactly. So, so, so yeah, like, like there was so much of that that was visual. Mm. I, I wonder, you know, the, as I was telling that story, I, I sort of wondered how much maybe I was putting too much of the listing of animals coming back and this happened and then the hawks came back and the eagles and then that had a result of it. There was a lot of cause and effect, but I think people like that cause and effect. Um, and with the, with the last bit being the unexpected impact on rivers, you know, that a, yeah. that a wolf, you know, wolves can actually impact rivers. I mean, that's the cascading effect. Well, that's right. I said you're going to have to explain that one, but... Um, and now that you've explained it, it's like, oh, of course, you know, because the grasses and the trees are now returning and they're forming a more more of a barrier. There's less erosion and yeah. the, the, the rivers now will have a more defined path. They're flowing faster down that path because it's not uh, spread yeah. out so much. Yeah. 
And so when you explain it, it makes total sense. Yeah, yeah. In hindsight, they say. Yeah, yeah. True. Uh, what do you reckon? How would you, how would you make this story better? Like, what do you think would enhance the telling of this story? Well, look, it depends on it. That was probably a, on a four-minute telling, I would think. Yeah. Four yeah. minutes, and of course, if if you don't have four minutes, then there is a you know there's a perfectly usable one minute version of that story. So yeah, um, you definitely could crunch it down. That's for yeah. sure. In fact, that that is a great example of how stories are almost infinitely compressible and expandable. Yes, there's a lot of space to to crunch it down in that. Yeah, but yeah. there's also a lot of space to expand it. Like just yeah. think, you know, just think you could just tease out each of those implications. Yeah, indeed, it's so true. Yeah. So, you know, for example, though, I missed out. Uh, I did hear. Well, we talked about it afterwards about the, you know, the prediction on how herds would uh, form. Right, that wasn't in the main story. That was just something we talked about later. Um, yeah, so there's lots and lots of extra stuff to add if you wanted to. But as an idea, you know, what? See, so one of the things I, I years ago I got interested in this idea of uh, coming up with analogies from nature. And sort of sharing the analogy in an organizational setting, like in a workshop, and then tr- getting people to try to solve a problem based on ideas from the analogy. For example, you might start off with an analogy of how termites build a termite nest, right? Um, and, and then sort of say, okay, we're working on the business plan for this new project. What ideas can we take from? you know, how termites build their nest. It's sort of almost like a creativity exercise. So if I draw the the link, what you're saying is that this story could be used as one of those analogy stories. That's what I was thinking. So the, you know, uh, uh, grey wolves, uh, uh, Yellowstone environment, blah, blah, blah. Now we're facing a big challenge. Let's apply some of these concepts that we heard in that uh, in, in, in the Walls of Yellowstone National yeah, Park story. That's right. And see how we can apply that to the, the challenge that we're facing. That's exactly right. Yeah. So yeah. you sort of you start to think about, okay, so what could we add? Is there a sort of a keystone element that's missing, you know, that we yeah, took away 10 years there, ago? Yeah, were there things that happened in the past that we've removed, maybe for good reasons at the time, but it's now coming back to bite us on the arse. So I'll give um, you a, I'll give you a good example of that. So I remember about 10 years ago, we did a project for Telstra and they had just taken out of their system a role which they had, which was all around interpreting their bills. Their bills were so complex that they had a role inside that was essentially interpreting these bills and answering customers' questions and things like that. Anyway, they sort of went, oh, look, we don't really need that. Salespeople can do that, right? So anyway, what happened, of course, is that they got rid of that role and then the salespeople were consuming so much of their time with this answering billing questions, et cetera, that they stopped selling, right? And, of course, this had impact on revenue. It was like a cascade started to happen from that point on and they realized they had to bring in that role or improve their billing system which was of course uh, another big issue that they had to tackle but that's the type of thing you know like yeah it's exactly that it also reminds me of uh, uh, a a rule that was made in in uh, victorian england about that taxed ships by length 
And so the longer your ship was, the more you got taxed. And so English shipbuilders would build a ship up to the, the maximum length without going into the next tax bracket. And so English ships became short and broad, right? Because they still need to carry heaps of stuff, right? Yeah. And then, of course, but of course, the trade-off was speed. And so then when they're in the Caribbean, all the privateers and you know, they got fast boats and that's like, lost oh. out. Yeah, <laughs> because they had a rule that caused uh, a, a behavior. Yep, that, that rippled its way all completely the way unanticipated through. consequences. Yeah. I might, uh, I might do a bit of research on that one. It might be a good point. It could be another story. story. Yeah. yeah, excellent. So, how would we, we sort of touched on it already? But how would we suggest people use this story? Like, what, what, what issues, what business points could they draw from this story? Yeah, I think that the analogy one is uh, really valuable because lots of times teams face problems and you could share that story. And you say, okay, so now imagine that we are the park rangers uh, for our problem. What what could we do? Yeah, I like that. I like that. Yeah. yeah, I think there's something in here too about you could look at this from a leadership perspective and just, you know, if the wolves are the leaders in some way, what impact they have on the whole system, you know, and all the things, you know, you see this in organisations. If, if, if the leaders start doing something different, like attending to some new information or all of a sudden they're recognising different actions in the business, this has a flow-on effect, you know, massively. Mm. So the wolves is a metaphor for leadership and how leadership can leadership behaviours can, can actually shape the behaviours and the culture of the organisation and, cause the elk to go scampering up the cliffs or up the, the hills. We don't want the lemons going over yeah. the cliff uh, analogy. I think that could be a bad idea. Another um, one, another potential use is, uh, and I go back to 1926. Yep. Got, you know, the, so, folks, we've got to make sure that we're not doing something here that's going to stuff up our future. Right? Yeah. So if, if, if there's a big decision being made and, well, I guess it's going to have a... Well, do we actually know? Do we really know what's going to happen? Yeah. Because yeah. I know we've got a lot of opinions about it, but let's me, let me tell you what happened in Yellowstone. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. That would be a nice one. That would yeah. be a nice one. Yeah, we don't, want to, we don't want to knock something out. It's going to have a long-term impact. And I, I have a feeling, I'd like to, to do a bit of more research on this, but I have a feeling that they introduced those original eight wolves for essentially a year before they introduced the, the full 31. And I suspect it was their little mini experiment. Like they thought, okay, eight wolves, we could probably roll back from eight wolves. We could go and capture them and send them back up to Canada if it didn't work well. Um, and, but obviously it worked the way they were hoping. And so they, they upped it to 31, right? So I think there's something about that as well. Yeah, about, about trying little things first. Yeah. And then, but of course, that's the classic approach to tackling complex problems is you do something small first, and if it moves the system in the direction you want it to go, you amplify it Yeah. or you, yep. know, you add more walls. So, yep. yeah, um, and it's like that, you know, you, you try something, you monitor what happens, and then you decide if you're going to reinforce it or disrupt it. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, so many, many uses. Also, uh, a great example to be used when talking to people about the environment. You know, the, you know, people who are going, oh, yes, you know, like, uh, you know, hydrogen is going to save us by 2040. And it's like, well, really? Let me yeah. tell you what happened in Yellowstone. Yeah, exactly. Uh, 
Now, the counter to this story, you know, almost like the, um, what would you call it? The, the anti-story? Well, I was thinking of the cautionary tale, oh, okay. right? So the cautionary tale to this is uh, uh, the introduction of uh, the toads. Oh, cane toads. Cane yeah. toads in yep. Australia, right? So they've, but, so here, there's something they, they didn't contain, did they? Uh, they got away from them. Um, you know, they brought it in to really have an impact on pests in the, in the cane fields in Queensland. And the cane toad is now spread and it kills animals left, yep. right and centre from Queensland all the way animals. down to... Yep. Has it got, well, it's got through New South Wales. I don't oh, know. It's yeah, got yeah. to Victoria. I don't, oh, has it? I don't know. Anyway. Yeah, but, but yeah, it's look, spread a and lot. So, and so, you know, as, as you say, a good cautionary tale, um, and perhaps that's, a, that's an artificially introduced species. And, you know, like we... And, and, but again, it's, a, it's another example of exactly the same thing. Yeah, it's the opposite. And it's the opposite type of and so, But they didn't conduct an experiment. They yeah. didn't, didn't conduct a sufficiently controlled experiment to understand what was going to happen. And they just did it and went, oh, Whoops. this has got out of control. And <laughs> yeah, oops. Oops. Yeah. I wish we hadn't done that. But there's also, so it's that is not a native thing, right? That was not part of the ecosystem. No, it was quite yeah. different, you know, like. Well, yeah. the wolves, they knew they existed there. Yeah, and exactly. They had a, a role to play and, and all of a sudden they disappeared. Okay. Well, let's give it, let's give it a score. Yep. Where, where does this sit on your spectrum of story usefulness and uh, application? I absolutely love it. It's a nine. Oh, my God. I know. I, I, I'm, I'm smiling. Not sure, I'm not sure I've actually done a nine before, but uh, <laughs> I I love this story. Oh, good. See, it's probably all that time you spent out in the desert. You know, you got that ah, one with nature, you see, yeah. and uh, this is bringing that back for you. Uh, look, I'm going to give this uh, a strong eight and a half. Whoa. Right? <laughs> a strong eight and a half. It's, <laughs> it's one that you know, I'll definitely be using. It's so that's an 8.5 plus. Yeah, 8.5 plus, <laughs> 8.5 bolded. And, um, you know, it's one of those ones, it's, it's pretty easy to remember. I only have to remember a few things, which is, for my memory, that's great. And, uh, and yeah, I can imagine telling this. No, I reckon I'll tell this more than just in business storytelling. Oh, me too. This I, is going to be dinner time storytelling. You betcha. Uh, yeah. Yep, uh, yep. See, that's, it's, gone, it's gone beyond. So that means it's got more chances of use. Fantastic. Okay, Mark. Well, is there anything we need to remind our listeners of before we finish up here? Well, no, I think we're, uh, we're running down our, uh, we, we, don't, we don't have so many public events. Uh, no, because Christmas. Christmas is coming, right? Yep. So uh, we'll, uh, we'll be kicking that off again in the new year. Yep. So uh, keep your eye out for, well, we'll ha have them announced before Christmas, but so we'll, we'll let you know when we, when we uh, uh, put those, okay. those events up in our events page. Fantastic. Well, thanks everyone for listening to Anecdotally Speaking. Of course, tune in next week for another episode of How to Put Your Stories to Work. Bye for now. Anecdotally Speaking was engineered by Dave Stokes from author to audio.